a pastor comes in and shares a devotional every day so that they can read scripture together as a military in Bolivia. None of that would have been possible, but God had already an infrastructure in place. And leveraging that competency, putting the Word of God into the hand, all of a sudden opened up this entire field, and you're going, how did, how did this happen? It's God. That's who did it. God did it. We didn't do it. God did it. He already had a plan. And I, I love to say this, I am a witness to God's miracles every single day. For the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. That's Hebrews 4.12. The American Bible Society has been getting God's Word into people's hands and hearts around the world for over 200 years, and requests for the Bibles are still coming in from every corner of the globe. Millions of people are still waiting for their first Bible, while we here in Memphis, Tennessee, have multiple Bibles usually in our homes and on the shelf of our bookcase. Hi, and welcome to Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler. Today, we welcome to the program... David Isis, who is the executive director for the American Bible Society, and he makes his way from Philadelphia. Is that right, David? That's where our headquarters are. I live in Florida. Oh, (laughs) no snow and cold stuff for you, right? No, no, no snow, and uh, we like it that way. (laughs) And how long have you been living in Florida? We moved back from the mission field in 1999. And where was the mission field? We were in Ecuador and in Mexico. I understand you have a background in broadcasting some, what, 25 years, I think, you were in broadcasting, ministry broadcasting. Yes, I was. I started at World Radio Network on the Texas-Mexican border there. Uh, World Radio Network is an affiliate of World Radio Missionary Fellowship, HCJB, as a lot of people know it in Ecuador. And then uh, we helped them start several stations there on the Mexico-Texas border. And then uh, we went to Ecuador, helped them there, and started a couple of TV stations there in Guayaquil and in Quito as well, and then moved to Guadalajara, and we did some radio work there and opened a TV station there as well. So yeah, I've been around in this business for a while, and I love it uh, because radio is, to me, the theater of the mind. It has no barriers, <laughs> and it's the only passive medium that people can actually have playing in the background. Yes, And their heart is listening and their soul is listening because they come to that moment where all of a sudden they go, wait, what was that? (laughs) They heard it. And God's word is uh, so powerful, especially on the radio. As we just read out of Hebrews 4.12, it is very powerful. And I like the connection that you and I have. My radio career began at the age of 14 at a radio station as a volunteer here in Memphis. I worked for the bots. So this is my second venture with them for seven years when they first came to Memphis back in 1986. And then I've been back for my second stint for 19 years since 2002. Oh, but wow. in between time, our family were missionaries with Transworld Radio. Oh, TWR. And okay. we lived on the island of Guam, oh, broadcasting wow. in Northeast and Southeast Asia. So we've got a, a connection there. Yes, Old indeed. radio broadcasters. Yes, indeed. Love that. So what about the transition from doing radio ministry and becoming the executive director of the American Bible Society? Well, it's a long story, but I'll do the short one. <laughs> uh, the short version of that is uh, I had a friend that was working for American Bible Society. He said, David, you, you've you been doing this ministry for so long. Why don't you come join us and help us expand the work that we are doing? So I joined American Bible Society in 2008. So I'm celebrating my 13th year this month. 
So 13 years at American Bible Society, and we've seen the, the Bibles uh, continue to grow. We, our focus is translation. We do translation with partners such as Wycliffe Seed Company, yeah. uh, Pioneers, New Tribes. They're all part of the Illuminations group. And then we also focus on trauma healing, which is another area which I call removing barriers to the gospel. Uh, because when people have that, those heart injuries, it's hard for them to even accept a loving God or a loving yes. father if they've been abused, molested, or, or they've oh. experienced that type of trauma. So they're removing the barriers with scripture. Uh, that's another area. And then we work with the armed services military, um, uh, providing to all branches scripture and resources for them as well, and chaplains, uh, post-traumatic stress disorder type materials. And then uh, we also have um, what's called the Faith and Liberty Discovery Center, which is basically a look through the uh, a lens of America through the Bible, the Bible's influence in the forming of America and our struggles and victories in America. And close to half of the time of forming of America, yep. the American Bible Society has been right there. Yes. Early 1800s is the organization began Really, as we said, to get God's word into the hands of people, got a, a great history. I actually have a, a personal um, American Bible Society story too. While oh. I was living on Guam, yeah, uh, some of our staff would volunteer to work with prison fellowship ministries, and on Monday nights, go into the prisons and, and do mm-hmm. Bible studies. Mm-hmm. Guam is a melting pot of culture and nationalities, and so when you go into the prison, you get a, a feel of not just the local island, but you know, just people from around the world that find themselves in prison. There was a man that I met, and I think he was from Sri Lanka, and his English was not good at all. And he looked very discouraged. He, he looked depressed. He, he looked like, because he didn't have anybody he could communicate with, because his mother tongue, I believe, was Tamil. And I just thought, if I could get him a Bible, he could have some material in his own language that would encourage him. And, yes. and he, you know, so there was on the island the Micronesian Bible Society. Mm-hmm. They have a connection in some way with the American Bible Society. I'm not totally sure. Before I reached out to them, I looked to TWR office in Sri Lanka, which we have an office in Sri Lanka, reached out through email, and it was going to take a, a while, I think, but they could try to do that. So I found the Micronesian Bible Society on the island. And they actually had one copy of the Tamil Bible, oh, wow. which was by divine appointment, I believe, from God. Praise God. They gave it to me, and I took it the next Monday night. And David, it's like the whole countenance of this man, you could see change because he saw something in his hand that he could read and understand from his own language, his you know? heart language. Yeah, Correct. so I've actually seen what you guys do in action. Well, the best part that I love is we just got back with a partner of here in Memphis, Africa Bible Ministries. So we're working in Uganda to try to get a million Bibles in Uganda to the rural areas. And obviously we can't do that alone. So we have partnered with the Bible Society of Uganda, American Bible Society, but Africa Bible Ministries, tying it all together in a way that we can reach the rural areas, the tribal languages, pastors, leaders, to try to strengthen the church, seating district by district. If we plant enough seed and enough words of God yes. in each district, we're ensuring that the church is not only going to grow, but that it can then extend itself because it has the foundation that it needs. So if you think about it, the Bible is the essential ingredient to evangelism, to discipleship, and to church planning. You can plant a church, but if you don't have the Bible, it's not really going to grow. You can witness, but they're not going to grow if they're not discipled. And for that, you need the Word of God. And to evangelize, to have that passion to do it, 
we get it as we encounter God on a daily basis, that joy, that excitement, that encounter with him that that is so transformative that invites us to share that story with other people is because of the word of God. So it's, I I call it the, um, the eggs of the cake. (laughs) You still need to make a cake and there's many ingredients that go into it, but it's the eggs that you need to get in there or the flour, depending on if (laughs) if you use eggs or don't use eggs for your cake. But it's, it's really essential to do that. But uh, on this trip, we had a fantastic time just seeing the, seeing God work in these people's lives, these pastors, leaders who are leading congregations of 50, 80, 100 people, 30 people, and they don't have scripture. They have one Bible to rotate amongst three churches. And all of a sudden you get them together and you they get they receive a Bible and training and they're like, this is transformative. Not only can I share it, but I can point to it and say, look, I know, sorry, I know this is what God says because it says it right here in the book. There's an authority. There's a presence of God. There's a confidence that comes from the word of God. And it's just so exciting and invigorating. When you see that, you go, oh, my goodness, this is fantastic. You know, I met a Wycliffe Bible translator who worked over 30 years on translating a particular particular dialect uh, among an African people, and they had video of the planes bringing the Bibles mm-hmm. to the village, and to see the people hold in their hand for the, after 30 years for the yeah. first time yeah, yeah, yeah. a Bible. I mean, like I said, we have, oh my goodness, I think of all the Bibles I have even in my office here at home, the Bible app that mm-hmm, we have mm-hmm. available to us, and some are looking just to get their hands for the first time, you know? Recently, I had a young man sitting right where you are from Serbia. He didn't have any testimony of Christ until one day somebody handed him a New Testament, and he started reading the Scriptures, and it was through God's Word he began a relationship with Jesus. Amen. And and it really is true. When you think of the Word of God being in the hands of someone, and I think this is the secret formula for us, is we want to work with the concept of a shepherded Bible. What is a shepherded Bible? The shepherded Bible, it means it's to someone, by someone. So we don't want to move a Bible into a warehouse, or we don't want to move Bibles into a storeroom. We want to move Bibles where it, they can actually be handed out mm-hmm. from individual to individual, yeah. from pastor to congregant, mm-hmm. where the pastor and congregant can continue growing. Or if it's a ministry Bible, it's a Bible that, because of the shepherded Bible, they're going to pray with them on a weekly basis. If it's a prison, they might be only able to visit once a month or once every two weeks. But they're coming back to say, what are you doing with the Scripture? Having those conversations, those follow-up. So you're having accountability, but that to someone, by someone, is the key to us for, for making this. And that's why Africa Bible Ministries is such a great partner with us as we look into uh, Uganda in particular. And there's other countries, obviously, that we're doing this in. But I, and especially here in Memphis, I want to focus on that because that's one of our partners here that we are seeing. And that they, they have a, their history is they call themselves the Team Memphis group of people that has fallen in love with Uganda. We know the history of Uganda. Of course, the dictatorship of Idi Amin Mm -hmm. and the tragedies, atrocities. Matter of fact, we have a pastor here in Memphis, just recently retired, Pastor Francis Sebakindu, and he was living there, Uganda, during Idi Amin's reign. And so he's actually suffered persecution from his military group. He went into exile. The late Francis Schaeffer helped him to come to America after living a period of time at Labrie in Switzerland. So he, he came here and went to seminary. And then after seminary, somebody said, what's next? And he said, I'm praying for God's will. And he said, why don't you go to Memphis and start an inner city church, which he did 36 years ago. Oh, wow. The church is still here today. Amen. He's a dear brother. Yeah, thinking about 
the the conflicts of life. You know, you were talking about the trauma healing that the Word mm-hmm. of God provides, mm-hmm. and it could be from emotional abuse or other types of abuse that people succumb to or find themselves trapped in, but also when you have natural disasters around the world and things just happen quickly. There's a traumatic period. I know we were on Guam. There was a couple major uh, typhoons that came through, or uh, there was a a Korean airline crashed passenger plane that lost a lot of lives Mm -hmm. while we were there, you know, Mm -hmm. and a time for God's Word to be that bomb of Gilead, you know, Mm -hmm. that healing Mm -hmm. agent to Mm -hmm. soothe and to comfort the heart. Yeah, and especially when you think of removing barriers to the gospel— uh, in its tragedies, like you describe, whether it's a typhoon, a hurricane, a tsunami, an earthquake, a plane accident, things that you can't explain, but that they they leave a lasting impact, and a lot of people can't, don't recover from that. Yeah, the reason they can't recover from it is because they're still stuck in that that uncertainty, and so when you talk about faith, and it, it seems even worse, you know. Yes. And so how do you remove that barrier to the gospel? And it's not it's basically scripture. We we use it's a biblical pass it's a biblical pathway that takes you from pain to resilience via the cross. So there's a there's like nine different weeks that you go through in that program or nine lessons if you want to talk about it. But it walks you through a a process of lamentations which to me is very powerful. Uh, when you think of lamentations, usually what trauma directs itself to has to deal with you have a loss that you can't account for. So if I, my dream was to be X and that dream is taken away, that can traumatize. And it can be, you know, I want to be a virgin when I get married and right. I, you get raped or yeah. in, a, in a war-torn area where you're, I, I was hoping that my father met my grand, my son, and, and it, but it, in reality he passed away, was murdered yeah. because of war, et cetera. So things like that, those are losses that you have. And, and through the process of lamentations, you can identify – obviously, it's scripture. I'm, I'm oversimplifying. Sure. But a lot of times, it's that story that locks you in. And it's, it's through that process of lamenting, of understanding what it means, of understanding that the pain that you have is not your own. It's a community pain because as you are afflicted, that affliction is, is then shared with others, whether you do it – Directly or yes. indirectly. Yeah, that, that's a great word, David, because we do suffer in community, and we need to find our healing through community, yes. too, and the support there. That's a great, great word. Yeah. Well, in light of the current culture trends, are there unique challenges to overcome for you to stay on mission? As it comes to distributing the word, you run into roadblocks because God's word is not favored by everybody. No, it is not, but God's favor is. Yes. <laughs> God's God favor for, is. Thankful for that. <laughs> so I'm very delighted about that. But the challenges that we face, obviously, have to do with the language itself. So if the language is not translated, it needs to be translated. So we're part of the team of Illuminations, Seed Company, Wycliffe, et cetera. There's a group of people that translate scripture, so we work with that. Is there an average time it takes to translate into a language? Now, with the advances they have done, it takes three to five years on average for a New Testament and eight to ten, maybe 12 years for the full Bible. The cost of the full Bible is very expensive, and so they usually start with the New Testament because it's quicker. But really, the stories of the Old Testament are so significant that they need to be done. So to date, I think we have 602 full versions of the Bible in the the world, but the, the translation is improving significantly. But as we go into countries like, um, I won't tell you the name of the country, but there's a lot of 
fear of proselytizing. So if, if they're aware that you are an, an outsider, then you're proselytizing, you're changing our culture. So how you partner domestically and, and nationally in each country is very significant because the local presence is what gives it the strength. So it's not an outsider coming in, but it's an outsider walking alongside an existing network. So you look for those partnerships. Yes, yes. And that's what really is the key to shepherding because we're leveraging competencies so we're not creating infrastructure, but by leveraging competencies, we're getting experts on the ground that are committed already to Scripture, that are already committed to church planning, already committed to discipleship, right. already committed to in sacrificial living. And that's, that's what makes it so successful is because we're doing it that way. It's not an outsider coming in and saying, this is how you do it. Yes. But it's they're already doing it. We're just coming in and saying, hey— you're missing the eggs yeah. for your for your cake, <laughs> and they're like, "Oh my yeah. goodness, you have eggs for the cake! This is great!" <laughs> so you want to make sure that those things happen. And so God has already raised teams all over the world that are doing this. And so by partnering with existing infrastructures and leveraging competencies, it, it makes shepherding Bibles a really unique mission proposition, a value proposition. If I want to talk about it that yeah, way, sure. But the reality is that it uh, the to someone by someone. Oh my goodness, it is powerful. I'll tell you a quick story in Bolivia. Uh, to someone by someone, right? Yeah. So they wanted to go to a military base to to share the scripture, and they had scripture to, to give. And so when they got there, the military person said, absolutely not. And he said, no, we have an appointment. He said, no, you can't come in. A lady was walking out. Lady coming out. She says, what's the problem? She goes, well, they won't let us. We, we came with scripture. We, we had an appointment because they asked for some samples. We were going to do that. It happens to be that the lady was the mother of the general. <laughs> so she reached out to the general and she said, hey, they're trying to give Bibles to the military. The general said, hey, every single military base will get a Bible. And not only that. <laughs> But every single military base during roll call every morning will read Scripture. <laughs> so Scripture now is in every military base in Bolivia wow. because of God's grace. A pastor comes in and shares a devotional every day so that they can read Scripture together as a military in Bolivia. None of that would have been possible, wow. but God had already an infrastructure in place. And leveraging that competency, putting the Word of God into the hand— all of a sudden opened up this entire field, and you're going, how did, how did this happen? It's God. That's who did it. God did it. We didn't do it. God did it. He already had a plan. And I, I love to say this. I am a witness to God's miracles every single day because it all starts with a prayer of that person that says, I need your word. And what God has to do to make to answer that prayer? Oh my goodness! It has to. The word has to be translated. It has. There's a file that has to be created. There's a whole publishing thing that has to go into place. There's a shipping and a handling and the warehousing and inventory and actually putting in a vehicle in toolbox that gets to the end user. And when they finally receive it and they they receive the Bible, that's an answer to their prayer. It started with them. Yes. It didn't start with the money that was gifted. It didn't start with the publishing. It didn't start. It started because someone said, God, I need your word. Wow. And God heard that, and he said, I will provide my word to you. And he moves an, an army around the globe to deliver that and to make that possible. And I, and I say it. I am a witness of God's miracles every single day because I see his word, him answering the prayers yes. of the people day in and day out. 
David, I love it. <laughs> it's just God at work doing what he does as his holy sovereign will <laughs> demands and accomplishes throughout the earth. Well, you have a goal to engage 100 million Americans with the Bible by 2025. How do you practically mobilize these efforts? Well, that goal is uh, from the organization that we have to get 100 million. How do we network? How do we tap into those resources? How do we make the Bible and do we introduce the Bible into social media? Do we introduce it into topic, into the conversation to really make an impact? If you look at the state of the Bible, we did, we just did a report, um, and you can look it up online, state of the Bible. Uh, every, we've done this since 2012 every year, and you're seeing a rapid decline of people engaging with scripture on a yearly basis. And so that decline leads to obviously cultural decline. So that cultural decline, how do you deal with that, is by getting re-engaging with Scripture. If we re-engage with Scripture, then you're solidifying that baseline for people to have a frame of reference and a point to where you belong, where you want to um, focus on as a as a nation. And so by getting people to engage, we're working with women, we're working with trauma healing, we're working with men, with prisons, with fellowships, where prison fellowship is one of them, of course. Uh, we're working with different church networks to say, how do we get people more engaged? So partners, for instance, version, the Bible app, uh, they have been partners for many years. Uh, uh, Bible Gateway, uh, you're looking at, uh, I mean, I can list a bunch, but the idea is that we want to make sure the Bible is in the conversation, that Bible is present, that we hear more about Bible. Let the Bible speak for itself. Right. Instead of a lot of times we try to interpret things, and sometimes it's just the Word of God. I mean, my father became a Christian because of one verse that he heard in the movie. What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world but loses wow. his soul? And that was enough to shake his soul to the core and say, what is this about? Where did this come from? And it's through that that he met Jesus Wow! because that one verse stirred his heart. So sometimes I think that we just need to let the Word of God speak. Yes. And as it speaks, people respond because it's answering something that, that their soul is looking for. And letting all the Word of God speak. I heard a story of a Bible translator that was in a particular group of people, and I don't remember where in the world he was, but he was trying to translate uh, Matthew or Luke. And he thought to save time, he would leave off the genealogy. So he spent the time, I think, three, four years, whatever it took for him to translate that portion of Scripture, take it to the tribal chief so that they could have this discussion about the Scripture. They wouldn't listen. They wouldn't do anything. you know. And this went on for maybe a year, year and a half. He would go to the meetings and try to present. They just wouldn't pay attention to it. So he thought, well, I'll just go ahead and translate the part I didn't translate, which are the genealogies. When he did that portion and put it with the Scripture— it was like a light bulb turned on mm-hmm. to the village cheap. Yes. You know, so we try to pick and choose, but it was God's word in a hole like that that changed their lives. Yeah, because God has a way of, of touching the heart where it needs to be touched. Yeah. That maybe you and I have a different view, but their view is different. Their appreciation and how they see the lens. Uh, the culture in Africa, for instance, the elder role is pretty significant. So that's something that I really, really appreciate, that the elder role is something to be looked up to. Two, they have authority, they have position, but the, it's the that ju, it's the generations. Yes, that's that, the, that leads. was yeah. that was the key. Yeah, it's generations. Yeah. If you tell me a story that comes from, if the families comes from generations, and I can believe what you're saying, <laughs> you didn't come out of you know it just didn't happen overnight. This <laughs> right. comes from some history behind it. That's some very unique things. But I um, I love scripture. 
I love the way it impacts people, but more when you see time and time again people embracing the Word of God, crying over the Word of God, rejoicing over the Word of God. As wow. you said, when the plane lands with the translation for the very first time, they throw a party. Yes. I mean, they're jumping and hooting and hollering. And then in Africa, we're, get, we're getting Bibles. And we're announcing to people about the Bibles that we're being working on. And these ladies go into this scream, into this yell, la, la, la. I mean, it scares you half to death the first time you hear it. But then you realize that's the, their joy. They're oh. just expressing their joy. You mean I will have a Bible of my own? Yes. Are you kidding? me. Yes. La, 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 la. <laughs> yeah, they go through this loud scream and oh, your heart just rejoices oh, and warms up Amen. and you're like, yes, <laughs> yeah. yes, Lord, thank you for allowing me Amen. to be a witness to yes. you answering their prayer. Well, sitting in that chair a couple of times, I had the privilege of visiting with Carol Ward, who has a ministry in Uganda, by yes, the way. Yes, in South you, Sudan. Uh-huh. You, do you know Carol? Yes, I do. So she was taken by gunpoint by militants for a couple of hours on a mm-hmm. caravan and she spent the next like two and a half hours doing nothing but quote the Bible from Genesis to Revelation, sharing the gospel. And by the time she got to think the first John, there were these men were weeping in tears and gave their hearts to Christ and Amen. said, Can you give us to our village what you just gave us? You know? Yes, and so yes. word of God is transforming. It is. It yeah. is powerful and it never returns void. That's yes. the only investment that guarantees. Yes. I mean, now now we talk about ROI. What's your ROI? <laughs> Scripture is the only one Amen. that never returns without a significant return. David Isis, God bless you, my brother. Thank you for what you're doing for Christ's kingdom through the American Bible Society. Thanks so much for being our guest here on Mid-South Viewpoint. Now, if folks want more information, the website and that address is? AmericanBible.org. And if you want to know more about the work that we're doing in Uganda specifically, as part of the Team Memphis, it's Africa Bible Ministries. And I want to do a whole entire program on just that project, this initiative with Memphis and Uganda getting the Word of God out. Yes. It's an exciting project. I love it. And our friends want to know about it. I hope they yeah. do because I'm telling you, <laughs> it's a way to be a part of a miracles. When you've yes. seen God doing these miracles time again and again and again, there's something about when you pray. I can say one thing about my prayer life has been totally transformed because of this. Because by witnessing time and time again God's miracles, I literally can say I'm walking on my knees because I don't know how the next step is going to happen, but it's only through God. And when you see him deliver that miracle after miracle after miracle, you just sit back and you go, God, wow, you can do this. (laughs) This is about you. This is your word. It's not David. It's not any ministry. It's about you answering the call of your people. And I love that. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much. Well, friends, thanks for stopping by on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint. I'm Byron Tyler. We'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye. 